the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hi, I'm Eric Galindo, Training Director for the FSI Training School. For individuals and businesses, we offer certification courses in CPR and first aid through the American Heart Association and also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615. It is Sunday evening. You're listening to The the Word in South Texas, AM 630 KSLR. It's 902, which means it's time for everybody's favorite, the Bible Live Quiz Show with your friend Jacob and host Soapy Dollar. Coming up right now, though, is a is an encore presentation of the Bible Live Quiz Show. So enjoy. You're listening to The Word in South Texas, AM 630, KSLR. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible, have fun, and win valuable prizes and resources for yourself, your family, your church, or favorite ministry. Here's how it works. Listen to the Bible Live Scripture Reading Program. Weeknights at 8. Not a program about the Bible, the Bible itself. Hear a 15 to 20 minute reading each weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Then on Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Soapy will ask questions from the past week's Bible Live readings. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Good evening, everyone. Thanks for joining us tonight for the Bible Live Quiz Show. Jacob is here with me. We're in studio. Mark is staring at us through the glass, wondering what in the world is going to happen with two two Yokos in there. That's Mark under glass. (laughs) Mark has a real good read on these things. He knows we're we're in bad trouble. 
But we've got you out there listening to the to the broadcast, and you're the one that's going to make the difference. We welcome you along and hope you'll give us a call. During the next 90 minutes, we're going to be putting out some questions that come from our Bible readings this past week. We read from Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapters 8 through 20. Mm-hmm. So all of our questions will be coming from the Gospel of Luke tonight. Uh, and then we read from the Proverbs these uh, nuggets of wisdom, kind of based on a, a God-centered worldview, these uh, Proverbs that were, I guess, gathered, not ri- so much written by Solomon, but at least uh, brought together and collected by him. Actually collected in the Hebrew is the word. All right. It's called Kohelis, but what it means is collector. All right. So he didn't write necessarily. The, although I understand he did write a few. I don't know. Well, how, sure. How hard is it to write a proverb? You know? Well, that's right. Don't bite a rock, you'll break your tooth. How about that? No. Uh, okay, I like it. it, it, it we'll, <laughs> we'll add it. We'll add it. All right. The proverbs are soapy. Did I just snort on the radio? That's terrible. Uh, well, well, let's get started, Jacob. Let's let's ask a few questions uh-huh. from the well, Proverbs. This, I was wondering, before you get started, uh-huh. I, I, somebody asked me one time, do we actually have a phone number where people call in? I I, I think we do. Mark, uh-huh. can you look at Yes, we do. 340-9585, of course. That's our local line. Uh-huh. If you're, um, Was that 340-9585? That's exactly uh-huh. right. 340-9585. Anyone, if you want to dial that number and you call in, you can get in line right now. In fact, nobody's on the line. And did you send out presents? Did I send out? Pre- yes, I did. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm sure people got them by now. Oh, okay. We should get a, a whole lot of thank you calls. Tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when Harold called and said, well, I'll, I won't even bother to let you know if I got it. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, they did, get, they did get them, though. I hope they're enjoying yeah. them. Uh, here's what we'll do. I'm, I'm going to give a couple from the Proverbs. Okay. And then I think you have a few. I noticed you had a few uh, already marked. I do. In Luke. So let's get yours. And then I, if we need one or two more. I'll throw a couple in there myself, too. But okay. I kind of like your questions because um, I figure when you ask a question, it's something you had a hard time with. And I always enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right. Here we go. The book of Proverbs. <laughs> the book of Proverbs. Chapter Um. Hmm, let me get one I like a lot. What? Oh, this is good. I like this one. In Proverbs 5, Proverbs chapter 5, Solomon is giving advice to his son, and he advises his son to, quote, drink water from your own well. What does that mean? Okay, what was, what advice specifically was Solomon giving to his son when he said, drink water from your own well. And I will tell you this, he's really not talking about water. <laughs> All right. Well, you know how it is. The Jews always talk in uh, yeah, symbols. They you know? never yeah. say what they mean. Yeah, They're always, right. yeah, okay. There you go. Drink water from your own well. What does that mean, that particular, I guess that's a proverb, right? That is Tells a proverb. Now that, uh, <laughs> or at least some advice. A counsel he gives to his Have son. you ever read the book of Converbs as opposed to Proverbs? Uh, those are the ones that he's against, right? Uh, okay. Here we go. Let's see. Let's find another one. Oh, I like this one. This could have a little theological significance as well, I think. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, 
hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness, and one who sows discord among brethren. What do these things have in common according to Proverbs 6? I like the way that question runs. I like that one. I would see what see if people come up with the right answer to that. Now, did you hear them? There, there are um, a number of things here. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness, and a person who sows discord among brethren. What do these things have in common? According to Proverbs 6. I think you'll find it very interesting because we don't find this. There's a certain word here we don't find connected very often with God. Um, isn't that true? I mean, I don't know. Oh, uh, that's probably true. So what do those things have in common according to Proverbs chapter 6? All right, Jacob, get, mm-hmm. let's hear some questions from the Gospel of Luke. Well, in the Gospel of Luke, I, I first picked your question for. And the story of the Good Samaritan was Jesus' answer to what question? Okay, so somebody came up to Jesus and they asked him a question, uh-huh. and that gave rise to Jesus telling this story of this yes. of this man who's traveling. And, it does. And, has a, and that's uh, in 1029. But we have to talk about that one. So what? Yeah, I know, I know. So, But the, <laughs> what we want to know is... Um, what was the question? Uh-huh. What was the question that somebody asked Jesus uh-huh. that caused him to tell the story of the Good Samaritan? There you go. Uh-huh. And you find that in Luke chapter 10, verse 29. That's where the answer is. All righty. So Want to do that? You can go yep. to it and call us, a, call us on the telephone, 340-9585. Uh-huh. And uh, then you're number five. Jesus likened himself to the prophet God used to preach to the city of Nineveh. Who was the prophet, and how was Jesus going to be like him? Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, well, I like that one. Jesus compared himself or said that he was like uh, that prophet in the Old Testament uh-huh, uh-huh. that God used to preach to the city of Nineveh. Was there uh-huh. only one, or were there a number? There may have been Cities more. or prophets? Prophet. Uh, they the, went to Nineveh? Y- yeah. Well, I don't. You usually had a very short career if you went to Nineveh. Okay, that's true too. That's exactly right. But okay, so the, this is a singular figure. Oh, this is going to be great because wait till I tell you what this really means. Oh, okay. You mean that number five? Yes. Has a real meaning. Oh, okay. it does. It does. Jesus said he was like the prophet God uh, used to preach to uh, the city yeah. of Nineveh. Who was that prophet, and how was Jesus going to be? Like him. Uh-huh. That's found in Luke chapter 11, All right. verse 32. And which other one would you like? One or two more? Oh, let's, let's give him a couple more. Let's All put right. a few okay. out there. So You're number seven. According, according to Jesus, what is the unforgivable sin? You'd find that yeah. in 10, 12. No, nope. 12, 10. No, I, of course, you'd also find it in 1210. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I said. That's what I said. You said both numbers, but you just uh, got them in the wrong order, I guess. Oh, uh, that's right. 1210, Luke 1210. What, according to Jesus, there is a sin that cannot be forgiven. What is it? 
Oh, yes. boy, that is. Now, I will tell you, I'll have to answer this from what you might say, a historical Jewish perspective. Okay. But it's going to be a little different, but I do think it fits in the context of the story. Okay, so oh, well, we'll look at that. We'll look at that. Okay, then one more question. Let me grab one from the sure. kind of end of our reading. Sure. So, so the, um, um, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. This was uh, Jesus generally considered a brilliant answer. I am guessing that to Jacob and, and the Jewish folk, it's probably not that brilliant, right? It was pretty normal or something. Because you guys are so interested, you're so accustomed to brilliant answers, maybe. To us, it's pretty impressive. Well, I, I think it's pretty impressive. Okay, good, good, good. I, I think, uh, listen, if I needed Am I getting gun shy here? I don't know, but if I needed a lawyer, I'd like to hire him. All right. Well, okay, that was Jesus' answer. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. And give to God what belongs to God. That was Jesus' answer. What was the dangerous question? What was the question that was asked of Jesus that that when he came up with that answer? All right? If you know the question, that's what we're looking for. What was the question? And it's found in Luke chapter 20, verse 22. What was the question that was asked? And Jesus responded to uh uh, render unto Caesar that which belongs to Caesar and to God what belongs to God. I had a friend one time, we were back when I was young and, and I was at, I had another young friend that was a, a pastor at this congregation and we were asked to preach at this very large church actually uh, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I preached the morning service and uh, my friend Mike was preaching the evening service. And so we were young preachers, you know, we were both a little bit intimidated by the task and and uh it was a great honor of course but we really worked hard and studied and all and and i i survived my morning sermon and, and got through it all right in the evening mike was giving his sermon and he picked this particular passage and he was trying to read from the bible and he was so nervous he kept saying render un, uh, he kept saying cinder under reaser oh i love Cinder. It. he could not he backed up and started over again, I, I guess four or five times. He could not say, he was so nervous, it kept being cinder under reaser. And so finally he just said, well, you know what I mean. And when it went on, he just skipped through it. It's sort of like a high white horse sauce. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> say that three times real fast. There you go. But anyway, there you go. That's the question. <laughs> what was the question that was asked to Jesus? And he gave that answer Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and give to God what belongs to God. Those are one, two, three, four, five, six questions you have out there. If you'd like to call in and give us an answer, the phone number, as Jacob keeps reminding me, reminding us, is 340-9585, 340-9585. If you know the answer to any of those questions, give us a call right now. Nobody's on the line, so you can be the first up, be the first winner for the evening. And uh, like I said, we're sending out a prize, little prize package, about $145 in it. Uh, gifts and prizes for you and your family or to anyone that you wanted to share it with or give it to. So uh, you can give us a call and win the prizes. And also just a chance to get into the scriptures and, and to scratch a little beneath the surface and discuss them a bit. That's our objective here on the Bible Live Quiz Show.
is to really learn from the word really get get into into the scriptures what does it mean what what was it what was said what did it mean what did it mean to the people that were listening at the at that time and what is it what is its meaning for us today uh, that's what we're trying to uh accomplish and so uh Jacob is here giving us that perspective that Hebrew perspective uh, Hebrew language Hebrew culture and tradition Hebrew history he gives us that background because these are these are Hebrew uh I guess it we'd have to say that even though the New Testament evidently was written in Greek I've heard that some folks uh, don't think that Jesus, that Jesus, when they spoke, when he gave these sermons and all, was he speaking Greek? Was he speaking Aramaic? Or was he speaking Hebrew? How is that generally? Well, I, I think most of the scholars think that he was speaking Aramaic. Uh, I would suspect that he could speak a little Greek, probably a little Aramaic, but I also suspect, as tradition would require, that in religious services he would use Hebrew. Yeah. So we there's a there's a lot of linguistics. Uh, we really do need a linguistic miracle when it comes to the scriptures, don't we? We really needed a excellent translation. We needed well, there was a, a famous Catholic, uh, not Catholic, but uh, a Christian uh, writer named Origen, mm-hmm. and he wrote five books. I've read his five books. In there, he says that he actually read the Gospels in Hebrew. That's what I was thinking. Yes, I knew someone had told me that, and it was you, Jacob. Yeah, he he mentions that that Origen, one of the I, I'm not sure is he considered one of the I guess the church fathers, one of the early church early, fathers, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, Christian. Uh-huh. And he mentions that he had read one of the Gospels in Hebrew, which is very interesting because we don't have a record of. Yeah, one would wonder what happened to them. Yeah, what happened to that, and was that how was that dated? Where was it? Where does it fall in the um, in, in the dating of these different writings? But uh, there you have it. We've got those six questions out there for you. If you want to give us a call, we can discuss that issue. We can answer. Maybe you have a question. Maybe you have a thought about the Gospel of Luke or something that uh, you've been wondering about. Or, or just about the Bible in general, about the Scriptures, or about what it means to know God and walk with God and experience God in our lives. Now we're That's, uh, of course, our objective is, our hope is that we can help you, uh, the listener here to the Bible Live Quiz Show, we want to help you experience a confident, secure relationship with God that that's meaningful to you, that helps you and, and, and gives you hope and encouragement and helps you be the kind of person that we see in, in the scriptures that God wants us to be, that uh, that we would honor him with our lives and, of course, to prepare ourselves for uh, that eternal relationship with him to for what comes after this. Yeah, life. we could consider this as an audition course. A part, right? yeah, yeah, exactly, and, and uh, we'll put you through the... Put through the uh, questions, and isn't there going to be a questionnaire when you go into heaven? Is that <laughs> probably probably? Wouldn't that be terrible? Uh-huh. I mean, honestly, I can I, I can imagine there being some kind of a doctrinal, um, a ten question or twenty question doctrinal survey question as you go in. Oh, I hope not, because I'm pretty sure I wouldn't pass it. I I have a I have a suspicion sometimes, Jacob, that we don't know nearly as much as we think we know. <laughs> You know, right about these eternal matters and these great truths established by the God who is uh, Lord of all, who's the Creator of everything that exists, and who exists outside of time and space. And and uh, wh- what what do we really 
know about God. I mean, well, there's a great Jewish story about Moses. It's, it's stories are called Midrash, uh-huh. but there's a great story that he comes back and he's sitting in among all the Jewish religious folks, and they're all arguing about a particular point, and they keep saying Moses meant, Moses meant, and finally somebody asks him, and he says, "I have no idea what any of you are talking about." <laughs> <laughs> that could be. You know, I, I often want to do. How do and the, folks? You can give us a call anytime you'd want three four zero ninety five eighty five, three four zero ninety five eighty five. Our screen is there. There's nobody on it right now. You're welcome to give us a call, uh, answer any of these questions that we put out there for you. We'll repeat them in just a moment, uh, but you could give us a call three four zero ninety five eighty five. If you're calling long distance from anywhere in the continental United States, you might be listening to the Bible Live Quiz Show. On um, the Internet, for example, you could give us a call as well. Uh, some of the prizes we send you might not be as good for you wherever you're listening, but you'll enjoy it. Some of them are. There's a couple of them that are pretty nice prizes for you, so wherever you're from. So give us a call, 340-9585, or if you're dialing long distance, 877 Um Jacob, what what do um, I wonder what uh, Hebrew scholars and theologians and, and and just even Jewish believers in general, when you go to the scriptures, do you uh, what are the most important truths? I guess that's the way to ask the question. What are the most important truths in the scriptures? And I, I, I'm not sure if that's really my question. My question is, what importance do you give to uh, learning about God? I mean, do see we we have uh, when we study the scriptures, we talk about the the attributes of God. In other words, that the Bible tells us what that that this is the Bible is a record of the uh, the true and living God. He is entered time and space, he has spoken, he has acted, and he has revealed, he has revealed something about himself and basically what he is like. What are what are what are the attributes or the characteristics of God? Do you, is that something that uh, Jewish scholars and that you well, think about a lot? He, what the what Jew, your God is like? The Jews have a, a spot, I think it's in the book of Numbers, where God tells us what his attributes are. It's there are thirteen of them, the way they read them. Really, in just one place. That's yes. It? Uh, well, they're all the stories tell us as uh, illustrations of what he says there. But it's it says, uh, remember when Moses was put up in the cleft of a rock? Yes, I and do God that. says you can't see me face to face, but you know you look at my back, which means uh, when you look back on this, you will understand. And Moses says, God, God, compassionate. And, uh, did you uh, say Leviticus thirteen? No, I don't think I did. What did you say? I thought I said numbers, but I, you know, I, I don't. I may be wrong about that. Numbers thirteen? Mm, I don't think so. I think it's, you know what? Okay. I, I can probably look it up. But. Well, that's all right. I, I mean, yeah, yeah. You, you, if you don't mind being, little, but go ahead. You, you're giving an explanation there. If I didn't throw you off too much. Uh, well, anyway, uh, there's a spot where it's called in Jewish thought. It actually is called the uh, thirteen attributes of God. Very interesting. And, I'd like to uh, see that. And it's uh, it's where, where Moses is in the cleft of the rock, uh-huh. and God puts his hand over him and says, "Hey, you can't see me face to face. Nobody can. But when you look at my back, which was a Hebraic way of saying when you look back on this, 
and you will understand. And then Moses says, God, God, compassionate, everlasting, and uh, long-suffering. Oh, I'd like to know that passage. That sounds like a very interesting passage. And, and, and I wondered about that. If, if you gave us, if y'all gave us much attention, we, we tend, it's one of the major studies of Scripture that we have. Uh, we approach the Scriptures to find out about the true and living God. What is his characteristics, his attributes? And it might be interesting to talk about some of those sometime and see. I'm, I'm assuming same God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New and that the, the attributes would be the same. Well, Jeff is on the line. Let me go and say hi to Jeff. Jeff, we're going to have to break off and take a quick break in just a moment. Uh, well, no, it's not too... Uh, how much time do we have before the break? I guess it's... Oh, not too much time, I guess. Uh, Jeff, are you there? Sure. Hi, Jeff. I, I, I'm sorry we pulled you up here. That we only have about a half a minute left to before we take our break. But uh, maybe you, if you don't mind hanging on through the break. And sure. uh, did you want to answer one of the questions, or do you have a comment of your own? Or? Yeah, I'll answer one of the questions. Uh, Which question did you have in mind? Uh, just uh, give, tell me what. The, tell me one again. Okay, we'll repeat them when we come back. All right. All right. You don't hang up now. Hang on there. We'll come right back. To visit with Jeff and uh, another listener calling in as well, right behind Jeff. So we have a couple of contestants on the line. We'll come back and answer some of these questions that we put out on the radio this evening. Yes. I have got a source that it's 34-6 in Exodus. Exodus 34-6. Yes, uh, uh, a little bird just told me. Okay, dope. Well, Jeff and Lee are on the line. We'll come back right after these brief messages. Don't go away. The Bible Live Quiz Show will be right back. Hi, I'm Eric Galindo, Training Director for the FSI Training School. For individuals and businesses, we offer certification courses in CPR and first aid through the American Heart Association. And also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Christian Funny Man, Cleto Rodriguez, lights up the stage with a clean comedy for the whole family. Join us Saturday, March 18, 7 p.m. at Crossbridge Community Church on Highway 281 and Overlook Parkway. You get in the narking, you make sure you catch that devil out right there. Buy your tickets today at cleto.eventbrite.com. VIP tickets only $25. General admission, $12. Child care provided. Come be a part of the audience of a live show and taping for television. He said, he said you simply look up and say, Devil, get the heck out of here. My first time in church, I went home that afternoon. Football was on, and I hadn't cut the grass yet. And my wife came in and turned the TV off. I looked at my wife, and I said, Devil! Get the heck out of here! Cleto Rodriguez. Saturday, March 18, 7 p.m. at Crossbridge Community Church. Tickets available now at cleto.eventbrite.com. I couldn't see TV for three weeks. 
This is Ronnie Crankshaw coming to you today here at 6.30, The Word. Just want to invite you to come out and be with us on Sunday nights at 10.30. We're going to be praying for the sick. We'll be praying for those that are needing prayer. We want you to call in and just remind you, 10.30 on Sunday nights. You're welcome to call in. Join Barry Bass every weekday morning for the KSLR Morning Ministries, including Through the Bible, Renewing Your Mind, Truth for Life, and Focus on the Family. Weekdays from 6 to 10 on AM 630 KSLR and KSLR.com. Bible teachings from familiar voices. We are AM 630, The Word. You're listening to an encore presentation of the Bible Live Quiz Show. Heard here from 9 to 10.30 p.m. every Sunday night. Be sure to save up all your questions and all your comments and call us up next week when, when Jacob and Soapy are back here in the KSLR studio. And with that, we return to the Bible Live Quiz Show right here on The Word in South Texas, AM You're listening to The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. All right, Jacob, how long you've been studying Torah now that you didn't know? <laughs> oh, I, 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 guess we should, I guess we should tell somebody. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I, I, I hear you just fine. Okay. Uh, I guess we should mention that. I just got a, a, a tweet on my, uh, I don't know what's happened. Something went strange because uh, I can't hear anything. You can't hear yourself at all right now? I can't hear you. You can't hear me? I can't hear you. Oh, I can't how hear anything. terrible that you can't hear me. Well, it is a disappointment for yeah, several of us. Well, check your uh-huh. mug, uh, and maybe uh, Mark can come in and help I us I don't know. Can, can you hear me talking? Yeah, I hear okay. you just fine. All right. Well, yeah, I think we should just tell that uh, uh, somebody just texted me and said, You've been studying Torah how long? And you did that. <laughs> I thought that was great. I loved it. Well, evidently that passage from Exodus oh, thirty-four yes. verse six. I will six. never forget again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want to forget that. Evidently, that passage is uh, is well known. It's a it's a key important passage because, in fact, I just looked it up too. It, it does, in fact, lay out a number of what we would call attributes of God is his eternal nature and so on and so on. We can, we can look at that in just a bit. Well, we've got a couple of callers though. Let's go to them first. Give them that priority. Let's go back and visit with Jeff on the line with us. Hi, Jeff. Are you still there? Yes, sir. I'm still here. Good deal. Let's run through some questions. Uh, from the gospel of Luke, it says the story of the good Samaritan was Jesus answer to a question. You remember he told the story about the fellow who's traveling and, He's set upon by thieves and injured and so on. He tells his story. We call it uh, the Good Samaritan, the story. But um, that that he told that story in answer to someone's question. And, the, and my question tonight here on the quiz show is, what was that question? What was the question that someone asked him? And it's found in Luke 10, 29. Now let me let me uh, give you the yes, other sir. questions and you you can pick out which one you'd like I'll to answer. I'll take that one. That one's fine. Okay, okay. What was the question that someone asked him? Uh, who is my neighbor? That's exactly right. Who is 
my neighbor. And then Jesus launched on this uh, this really remarkable story. I, I suppose it's one of the more well-known stories. It's told a great deal. The, the phrase, the Good Samaritan, has made its way into the popular lexicon. You know, we... People, you read news stories about the Good Samaritan who helped somebody out uh, um, in, in a given situation. Now, um, I know you have a little bit of a different. I take do, on that. I do. Sometimes, Jeff, how are you? Sometimes yep. the 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 emphasis of that story, one part of the emphasis of that story, is a, a sociological aspect of you know the Jews and the Samaritans, how they related to one another. Now, obviously, there was some tension, right, Jacob? Oh, sure. Between them. Oh, yeah. But uh, in, in what we some people call uh, racially, there was a lot of resentment, or maybe uh, oh, no, it wasn't racially. Suspicions. It was about who the Samaritans are. Okay. And uh, I know it's called entitled the Good Samaritan. And Jeff, do you know anything about the Samaritan religion? Oh, that's oh, really... let's see. Yeah, because we're gonna we're gonna dispel here. I've been around. You know what I mean? I've been around. Yes, the Samaritan yes. religion. That is the, that would be the basically the religions of that air, of that of the region, right? The Canaanite, Canaanite religion. Canaanite, and I will tell you what it is, and that's why I understand what's being said. But the heart of the story is that here is a pagan worshiper has many gods, and some of them are not very wholesome. But even a guy that was not, quote-unquote, a follower of Jesus or Jewish, he, even he, a pagan guy, can still do good. And the point of the story is the Jews were taught right from wrong, and yet the Levite and the the priest, Mm -hmm. they walk past, and they were told and taught by God, by the laws, how to treat other human beings. The point that Jesus is saying is, look, you guys know, and you're not practicing it, you're not doing it, because it is Jewish law, it is God's law to help somebody regardless of who they are. That must have stung. It did. I'm sure it did. Uh, I remember when he said it, it was a little stinging. <laughs> but at any rate, the point is, is the the point is he's saying, look, when somebody says to me, I'm a good Samaritan, sometimes tongue in cheek, I say, I don't worship idols. Mm-hmm. I get what but, you mean. Uh, but the point is, is that it's even a pagan, a person that worships idols and has some kind of unwholesome ideas about God. That was the objection. It had nothing to do with So race. this did. He got to them with this story. It, yes, this story actually has a, a deeper impact than what we're really taking it yeah. for. Mm. It was not a, a something su- superficial like a racial slight. The, 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 the race is not the issue there. It never was, has been. The point is the gods and the religion. They came mm-hmm. into Israel. Now, they were transported against their will. The Samaritans were because they rounded up. The Assyria rounded up the Jews and took them to Syria's uh, where Samaria was, rounded up the Samaritans who had their own gods and brought them to Israel. That was one of the ways of techniques to make everybody disoriented. And talking of Nineveh, Nineveh Uh, was the capital Uh, of Assyria. That's where they were. So so it's great. What it's really saying is that a person, that even if they don't share your God, your point of view, they can still do good, even if they're a pagan or an idol worshiper. And he's making a point to the Jews you guys know this. You've been taught mm. this. So let's live this way, the way you've been taught. Wow. No, oh, it makes the story uh, very, very poignant. I could see how they would, they would really, that would be a terrible, would be a, a terrific challenge to them to live out their faith. Right. It, and it, if you go on in that thing, you might find in verse uh, 20, 
8 and 29, of course, he says, who is my neighbor? Oh, yeah. And he says, well, uh, who?" he tells the story, and, he sa- and the lawyer says, well, uh, it's the guy who showed mercy. And Jesus said, he said, how, but remember the original question. The original question was, how may I gain eternal life? And Jesus answered, he says, you know the commandments, right? I love the Lord your God with all right. your yeah. And then he says, you have answered correctly. Now go and do other, uh, uh, exactly the same way. Yeah, exactly. Wow, that was a that was a teachable moment, wasn't it? That was, that was an excellent timing. Do you find that interesting, Jeff? Yeah. Yes, it was. Jeff, let me ask you another question. Maybe you can clear it up for us. Uh, let me see if you have another one of these. Did you know the answer to this one from Proverbs? He says, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness, one who sows discord among the brethren. These are terrible characteristics. What do these things have in common, according to Proverbs 6? They're all sin. They're all, that's right. They're all sins. I'm going to give you a little hint. I, I want to see if I can get you to say the answer. What do you think God's attitude is toward those sins? And I'll tell you, it uses a word that we do not normally attribute to God at all. I was going to say judgment. Well, judgment. No, it, the, the Bible does talk about God judging. Uh, most of the time, the Bible talks about God loving, God's love. We're very familiar with that. But we don't often hear about God's, what's the opposite of love? Hate. Hate. These are seven things that God hates. <laughs> Interesting, isn't it? I mean, how often do we hear about these are things that God hates? Would you like me to get the door? <laughs> that was that was a that was me dinging myself. Oh. Jeff and I came up with the right answer together, oh. so we get an, that was our congratulatory ding, uh, Jeff. Yeah, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness, uh, I guess a liar, a uh, one who uh, lies about another person, and a person who sows discord among brethren, stirring up problems and. And getting people against each other. What do these things have in common? These are seven things it says that God hates. Which you don't run across a list like that very often. A very, very, very interesting one. Well, Jeff, you have called in. You've answered questions. You, you kind of, I kind of helped you a bit. But you got the bonus question here that God, God hates these things. You're definitely a winner on our list tonight. Anything else you might want to share or talk about or mention about Maybe something about the scriptures or something meaningful to you. Or I don't want to put you on the spot, but I want to make sure you have a chance to say what you'd like to say. I'm just glad I called in. Uh, I'm on my break. Uh, i got a few more minutes. Uh, Good. But, uh, I'm just glad I called in. And... Well, glad you did. Talk to Mark here. I'm going to turn you over to him, and okay. he's going to get down an address, and we can send out our prize package to you, okay? All right. Thank you very much, pal. Okay, thank you. Don't work too hard tonight. <laughs> Let's go visit with Lee. Lee is our second contestant tonight. How are you, Lee? Hey, terrific. Did uh, can you Jeff, hear me all right? We hear you just fine. Can you hear us? Uh, you're a little low. Yeah, that's all right. Let we've been having something. that trouble lately. We'll, we'll work it out here. But okay. if you can hear me, okay. I've, I've uh, 
I've got the answers to three of your questions, okay, but I don't know how you want to proceed. Well, so. let, let's. Uh, why don't we do this? Uh, can you remember the question, basically, that you, or do you want me to read them out to you? Well, uh, the first one is from Proverbs five, and okay. uh, what does that uh, verse mean? What well, it says, Solomon advises his son in Proverbs chapter five. He says, "Quote: Drink water from your own well." Yes. So, what is Solomon advising his son here? What does it mean? Be faithful to your wife. Be faithful in marriage to your wife. Share your love only with your spouse. I mean, that's uh, and it's a beautiful lesson. And it's a very positive lesson, but it's very practical, too. Well, it's it's one that, that we're violating extremely in this country, and we're reaping what we're sowing. Yeah, we will. I wonder sometimes if, if of all the sins that our nation is guilty of as a society, as a culture, I, I just wonder how which one might be the most harmful, doing the most harm. And it seems to me like when you, when you put at risk and when we weaken that, that building block of society, that that family unit, which is what uh, adultery and 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 uh, divorce and so on, those things that attack that that nuclear family. I wonder if that isn't doing the the most damage to our culture, our society. Maybe even more than some of the others that we think are maybe are more more serious. But the, yeah, it. it uh, God knows what he's talking about. He knows that that relationship, that relationship is is fundamental to a society. Be faithful in your marriage, share love only with your spouse. How I, I want to ask Jacob a question here, Lee, and you can weigh in if you'd like as well. I was talking to a young man this past week and he was of the popular opinion or idea that well, monogamy, the idea of one man, one woman for life uh, marriage, was not natural to humanity was not natural to mankind and and that really there's no reason why it should be uh why it should be promoted or why it should be given uh priority and it was such a shocker to me of course i I always understand that in the scriptures that that generally is the model that's held up to us in the bible from beginning to end but of course it is clear in the scriptures that it was not often it was not often acknowledged. It was not often followed. I mean, uh, a number of the uh, of the patriarchs, a number of, uh, particularly in the Old Testament, had multiple wives, and and not only multiple, but one wife after another wife, and that sort of thing. How how important is that considered yeah. in the Hebrew point of view? Is monogamy considered crucial? It's, a, it's absolutely essential. Uh, the divorce rates among especially the Orthodox are very low, actually. And, of course, they, they're very strict about that. And I'm about to surprise you. I hope you're sitting down. And, Lee, I hope you're sitting down. Yes. It's this. Uh, if there is infidelity, there is... There must be a divorce. Yeah, you told me that before. I, I, I've wondered about that. So that's just if there's infidelity, there's no, there's no forgiving you. I forgive you. We worked through it. We kept our marriage together. This is correct. You, there must be a divorce now. Once because you have broken, just like with God, you have broken your vow, your commandment. Now, if neither party goes out and gets married again and they want to renew their vows and get remarried, that's their decision. 
But in Jewish understanding, you break your vow, you must repent and come back and reissue the vow, just like getting a second set of commandments. You must know the seriousness of breaking your vow. You destroy your marriage, your family, everything. So you don't get a possible second chance. You accept the responsibility of harming your children, your family, everything. So if there is adultery, there must be a divorce. Yes. And then, of course, well, the most positive outlet would be you could renew and remarry and reestablish the Exactly vow. what God has taught us by the second set of commandments, by repentance, and in a new wedding ceremony. The Ten Commandments are uh, the wedding vow given at Mount Sinai. That is the wedding, and that is the wedding between God and Isn't the Jews. Isn't that interesting? I find that interesting, Lee, because I think in our culture, sometimes we think of it as a, as a positive thing that uh, people... It, People survive adultery. In other words, they both, one of them has an affair on, on the other one, or maybe they both have an affair. But somehow they go to a counselor and they talk it through and they forgive each other and they, and they, survive, they keep their marriage intact in spite of the adultery. And we think of that as a plus, as a positive thing. I guess from what you're saying, Jacob, that would not be seen as a plus. In other words, if there is adultery, there has to be, there has to be a divorce. That's correct. One of the reasons that uh, people give when you share Christ with them is, oh, the Bible was written by man. Man would never have written, be chaste and faithful in your marriage into it. This is God speaking <laughs> oh, for our good, protection. That's a great point. That's an excellent point. If, if, you're exactly right about that. And there's so many other points like that. If this you can credit my wife. She's the smart one there. <laughs> that, that, that is really quite brilliant because if man had written it, it's surely there are a lot of the things that are in there that we, we uh, I can't imagine us putting ourselves in that kind of under that kind of duress, under that kind of requirements. You know, well, look, uh, look what it costs uh, when our friends uh, made the celibacy rule. Oh my lands! Yeah, yeah, in the in the Catholic tradition, are you talking about the? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that is worth contemplating. Um, that uh, perhaps that was a typo. They left the e out. They yeah, meant celebrate. Someone yeah. thought it was celebrate. Yeah, we, uh, <laughs> we all know that story. But uh, yeah, but it's yeah. I, I don't. I cannot for the life of me understand. I've never understood why they imposed that. I I, I don't get it. I guess it had some logic to it. I have a friend that used to be a Jesuit priest. He uh-huh. left the priesthood to get married. And he is a very, and I don't know if you know, Jesuits are very sure. educated, very well trained. So they, they, they and the Dominicans are very much, uh, uh, of all the orders, they, they have most to do with like uh, in, uh, intellectual or mm-hmm. education, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. It takes years to be a Jesuit, sure. Uh-huh. And he actually, after he left the Jesuit priesthood, he actually was recruited by the Secret Service to guard Pat Nixon, believe it or not. Oh, because, uh, so because he's very orthodox. At any rate, the idea was, and he explained to me that, that actually there was a period in history where Catholic priests could marry, but that what happened when they were dying, they were leaving the accumulated wealth to their families and not to the church. Oh, please don't tell me that was the reason. Well, that's what he tells me. Oh, and my. I have no idea if that's true or not true, but that's what he tells me, assuming that he has shared that with me. And he said, so, uh, you know, that's why he left the priesthood, though, to get married. Maybe, maybe... Maybe uh, one of our uh, Catholic friend would be willing to call us if you know the answer to that. I I am kind of curious as to where that got started and how. All my life I thought, wow, what a what an unnecessary because it's not part of the scriptures. 
I don't think there's any biblical mandate anywhere for that. Well, in Jewish thought, and I'm not commenting on the correctness or incorrectness of Catholicism. We're just talking about the scriptures. That's right. In Jewish thought, it is absolutely a commandment that you marry and have children. And it's a. In fact, I'm about to surprise you. I will ask you as a question, Sophie. What's the very first commandment in the Bible? Be fruitful and multiply. You got it. <laughs> and I'll give you a prize well, later. A prize. Oh, it's be fruitful you. and multiply. Get married. Amen. All right. All right. Get married, have children. All right. Well, Lee, let me ask you one more question, all right? Okay. I, I think you can answer this for us, and it, it kind of helps us clarify it. Jesus uh, made a comparison between himself and one of the prophets of the Old Testament, uh, the prophet that God used to preach to the city of Nineveh. Yes. Uh, who was that prophet, and oh. and how was Jesus going to be like him? Uh, Jonah. Jonah was the prophet, exactly right. Oh, okay. and three days in the tomb. Well, there you go. Now, that wasn't, that wasn't Lee's voice there. No, that was my wife. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Well, okay, now there's no why. I'm supposed in... to help him out. I must help me, remember? There you uh-huh. go. Okay. You got it right. Well, you know, there's no why in Hebrew. So the way to pronounce it in Hebrew is Yonah. And Lee, this is not really a required uh, question, but what does Yonah mean translated literally into English? Ooh. Ooh, golly. No, that's Jonah. not right now. <laughs> that is a good one. Uh-huh. Well, you're going to love it when I tell you. You want to know? Oh, absolutely. I think I want to know. Okay, it means dove. Oh, oh yes, how so. of course. So, you that's see, good. when the dove lands on Jesus, what you got is the sign of Jonah the dove. Oh, that's terrific. Hey, speaking of doves, can I ask a quick question? Yes. Uh, we've been reading through the Bible together, and we notice, of course, there's a lot of interest in this new Noah film. Uh, we were curious. Uh, we know that uh, God brought the animals to the ark, uh, and it was built quite large. Do you think there's a possibility that uh, God had him build it, build it that large because on the chance that during the 120 years he preached to them and built it, that there might be others that would have come to, to Christ. That would have come uh, to convert to join him. room yeah. in the ark or, or not. What is what can wow. we speculate on that? That's a what if question. What yeah, if they yeah, had responded it's... to his preaching for 120 years? Um, if they had responded, there would have been no flood. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah, the, the judgment would not have fallen, I suppose. Yeah, that that is yeah. because it, it fell because of, of God's judgment. Every thought, every Everything. motive had Genesis, come to become yeah. evil. Yeah, uh, depravity. And when it depravity. says every, when it says every, it means in the Hebrew every. every. So everything. Now we know that at that point there were things like be fruitful, get married, have children. Fruitful and multiply is not a redundant thing. Be fruitful is to have children. Multiply is to teach them God's laws. So that's two things, have children and teach them. And so when they say in everything, they mean everything, that people were not getting married, they were not teaching their children. Every law that was in existence The human was, race had become godless. That's right, godless uh, it with It says no every laws. imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. There was no break. Yeah. That's right. So I, that's what happened. I guess the boat was meant for, for the animals, <laughs> I'm guessing, Lee. It looks like okay. that. It, uh, uh, yeah, it, it's a very good question, though, because you wonder what... If he's preaching, um, 
preaching, I wonder sometimes it's not necessarily the preaching of the message. It's not entirely and totally for the idea of conversion, but it's the idea of being responsible. In other words, for for God to judge us accurately and correctly and fairly, there must have been the opportunity. There must have been preaching. There was, and that's why it took 120 years. In fact, if I might point out something, the rabbis make a very clear effort to point out that Noah walked with God, but Abraham walked before him. The with God, the way they're translated in English, means that Noah didn't really do anything in his generation. He just took care of himself and his family that distinguished him from Abraham, who helped other people also. So you see, Noah was really concentrating on him and his family. He was righteous and his generation, as it says, but it said, but the way it's coming across, it sounds walking with God sounds like a good thing, and that's okay. But Abraham walked before God. In other words, and it says Abraham, when he left, he made other souls. In other words, he he taught people right from wrong. He did more than just his family. All right, interesting, interesting. Lee, you're so nice to call in. Thank you, and, sir. Uh, and you have a great assistant there, a great helpmeet. Uh, oh, she's been that way for over 41 years. Bless you, Hargy. I bet we got married about the same time then. We, we, <laughs> yeah, were, married so. in, we were married in 72. When was your? Uh, February 3rd, 1973. 73. Boy, he got that one lucky. <laughs> Beat you by just that much, as they say. He just stuck a sign in front of me. No, just kidding. <laughs> I, I remember that. That was, uh, besides receiving Christ, he was uh, marrying her was the next, next best decision I've ever made. Yeah. Uh, for most of us, uh, that that decision of our life, mate, is is that important. Lee, you're a great friend, and I appreciate you calling in. Would you please let me put you on hold and give that information? Did you get your prizes? Uh, not yet. You haven't yet. I mailed those to you. I'm wondering if uh, we'll we'll see if I get it back. Maybe uh, somehow I got the wrong address, but we got those out in the mail to you uh, oh, last week. So hopefully you'll be getting them soon or we'll get it corrected. But oh, uh, give that information to Mark and let's make sure we get it down right. And we'll we'll send another gift package. All right. Oh, that that sounds great. Thank you. Lee. Uh, by the way, tell Jacob that uh, I attend a men's group at our church or Baptist church. And uh-huh. we have a blessed Jewish man that attends named Jim. Uh, he, Jim, if you're listening. <laughs> anyway, he sounds just like Jim does. And somebody asked him at men's group, hey, are you on that show with Soapy Dollar? <laughs> <laughs> he said. He said, no, but I listened to it. <laughs> oh, I thought he'd say no, and I wouldn't admit it. If I, no, I'm not uh, No, he's I'm just kidding. a blessing to have with us. Greatly. Well, good. I, I suppose it wasn't our Jacob here, so we'll, we'll get it all straightened out, though. But anyway, hey, thanks bet. for calling okay. in, all right? Lee is there. You got him on hold. Uh, let me get Mike up here. Mike, appreciate your calling in. You want to give us a quick answer to our question? Well, I called in um, because um, I have an answer to the, the Catholic celibacy. Yes, give us that. We don't have a lot of time. Does, how much time does it take? You want to hold it through the break, and we'll come back and discuss it? Oh, sure. Okay, let's do that. Let's kind of use that as our teaser going into this break. And uh, we'll come back, and Mike has got an answer to where did this teaching come from? Where did this teaching come from about uh, celibacy in the Catholic Church? What was the motivation behind it? Now, J- Jacob has mentioned that somewhere in his studies of history and so on, that the idea that uh, the priests were leaving their lives, their inheritance, uh, and so on, 
leaving that to their spouses instead of to the church, and that might have been a motivation to get them to leave that wealth in the hands of the church. Well, I also suggested so that it was a typo when they left the E out, which meant yeah, celebrate. Yeah, that was another, that. instead of celebrate, celibate. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, that's a popular notion as well. But uh, Mike says he's done a little research on it. He can give us a thought about it as well. Maybe you'd like to call and comment on that as well. We wouldn't mind hearing from you. Or you'd like to answer any of these questions that we have still out on the air. A number of them have been answered, but one of them was, according to Jesus, what is the unforgivable sin, according to Jesus? That's found in Luke twelve ten. And then give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, give to God what belongs to God. That was Jesus' brilliant answer. But what was the question that he was asked? And that would call forth that answer. It's found in Luke 20, verse 22. The Bible Live Quiz Show. We'll be back in just a moment. Don't go away. is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. The God of the Bible, an awesome God, the God of the Bible. We started off the evening, in fact, Jacob, I was asking about uh, do in the Hebrew Scriptures, do they emphasize as much at least, I I think I have had that emphasized all my life, from a young childhood as a, as a Christian believer, that we study the scriptures to the attributes of God, his eternal nature, his holiness, right. his goodness, his uh, omnipotent, omnipresence, and all of these, we we kind of list them. I mean, there are mm-hmm. books written about the attributes mm-hmm. of God. Mm-hmm. And uh, you said, yes, that they, they do. And you mentioned uh, Exodus 34. Well, six. Actually, I got to say, somebody texted me, and it was funny because it was a very Jewish way of putting it. They said, so how long you been studying Torah? It's <laughs> Exodus 34, 6. Yeah, what did you tell me? Numbers, something? Yeah, I did, yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, it's a, that is a, I love that story. That's that place where after the people have disobeyed God uh, and, and the golden calves and the you know the idols that were made and so and 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 Moses destroys the first set of tablets with the the commandments on it and, and but somewhere in there Moses asked God to can I can I see right. your glory? Right. Can you right. show me your glory? Right. And, and see, he, wh- that's and he about, hides him in the cleft right. of the rock and says, "I'll pass before." And you. If you put it in context of the story, however, uh-huh. what we're being told is the act of forgiveness by God. You see, because it's between when the second set of commandments are being given. True. God, show me who you really are. And God says, okay, but you can't look man face to face. But when you look back on this, and then the, he renewed, there was a divorce. And then they had the renewed marriage vows, the second set of tablets. Renewed the covenant, uh-huh. the, the covenant uh, commitment. That's right. So it's, interesting, yeah. yeah. I put that in the context of our discussion right. earlier about adultery and about marriage uh-huh. uh, when Solomon. All of that flows off of Proverbs chapter 5. I asked the question, uh, Solomon advises his son to drink water from your own well. What does that mean? And, of course, uh, it was answered correctly by our listeners to be faithful in marriage, faithful to our marriage vows. And, we, and it kind of got us into talking a little bit about the importance of that marriage relationship to any society and culture and, uh, and what it meant to us. And then we, we mentioned in that context this idea of 
uh, in the Catholic Church, the idea of celibacy. I don't know how it came up, but how in the world did it ever become something that that uh, that, that a, a church, a, a, a body of believers, Christian believers, right. would would encourage uh, celibacy, not being married. I, I, I've I've always found that so very very difficult to understand. Now you've mentioned maybe an economic motive. Um, and I don't think there is a biblical approach to it. Uh, no, we, do, it, yeah. we know that Paul was not asceticism, married. Was not married. Asceticism, being like a monk, and I'm not critic- criticizing somebody else's beliefs or religion, but uh-huh. asceticism, not being married, not reproducing, is absolutely, from the Jewish point of view, uh, absolutely prohibited. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it'd be actually wrong. And I, and I, I just really have never seen where it came from. And but Mike has called in tonight. One of our listeners has called in and said that you know I have an uh, an insight. Maybe he's done a little bit of historical research on this uh, history research on this particular question. So Mike, thank you for calling and give us a little bit of an understanding of what you've come up with. Oh, hi, Sophie. Hi, Jacob. Hello. Well, um, uh, the celibacy is um, from the Apostle Paul, and. Um, I think it's in Corinthians chapter 7. I'm, I'm not sure I haven't read that recently. I was just but, mentioning that to Jacob because he is one that, he, when he's talking about marriage, to he says, I wish that you were all like me, and, and I guess he's meaning single. Right. Although there is some thought that he, he actually not, may have been well, married. He had to have been married and have children at one time because he was a member of the Pharisees. You could not have been on the Pharisee council without being married and having children. So what happened later in life, I'm not sure. Yeah. But I know this. He would have never been on their council. He was in what they call the third ring, by the way. I'll explain that he some other time. He was a Pharisee. He was a Pharisee. The only, Pharisee of Pharisees. He yeah, says. he says. Uh, he, the, we do know that he, he has a nephew. He has a sister, evidently, I think. Uh, the, the 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 nephew once saves his life, so there is. We don't know much about his family background, but generally, generally speaking, I think it is considered that probably he was not married. Uh, and in that context, Mike, when he was t- he was saying to people, "I wish you could be like me," but but you know the normal thing is to marry. Uh, it's better to marry than to burn with lust or whatever. Yes. And and so he is. Is that the the context that you were thinking of? Oh yes. Um, okay. Um, Apostle Paul says that um, uh, it is better to be like me because when he was a missionary for our Lord Jesus Christ, um, he was not married, and he he in effect married the church. So right. a a Catholic priest is considered to be married to the church, and therefore. It's a question of weighing his uh, sexual passion on one side and efficiency on the other. Uh, Paul was a very efficient man. So you're thinking that that, that dual, mandate dual figured responsibility. in? He said if you're married, you're going to have two responsibilities, Yeah. one to your wife and one to the church, and you will be divided, and it will cause you trouble. If you can single it out, if you can judge your own passion— if you can, if you judge yourself, I can marry the church, I can devote every ounce of my strength to following the church, then that's best. But if you can't, judge yourself. If you're going to fall into to sexual sin, uh-huh. well, then better that you get married than burn in hell. Or burn with lust, I guess, burn is the, the other interpretation of that. Very good. I... I... I thought that that passage 
might have something to do with it. But the idea of requiring priests, the, the making an absolute, you cannot be in the priesthood. You couldn't be in the ministry. Oh, and they without. hold on to it. The Pope just said, no way, we're, we're going to keep that. And, and plus, that for them, it's uh, for the Catholic Church, it's, uh, they're moving priests every two years uh, nowadays. Um, used to be a, a priest would stay in his parish uh, for the, his whole life. And now with all the difficulties they're having, all, all the complaints, uh, all the all the, the passion problems, uh, they're moving moving them around. They I just, wonder if that will be changed ever. If that would would could be a policy that the church could ever move away from and allow the priests to marry. I I just I guess I just wonder it uh, in my mind if there's any talk of that or any possibility of that. It's always talked about. Huh. Interesting. But um. The, the popes have, because of uh, the teaching of, of Paul, uh-huh. because of efficiency, because it's just easier to move one man to a different parish yeah. than to move his whole family. And um, it, it's a question of efficiency. Well, what about the other passage, like in Timothy, when he talks about pastors and elders, uh, deacons and leaders in the congregation, that he talks to them about they they be the husband of one wife, you know, and he well, never he's, he's he saying, never uh, judge yourselves if if you if you feel passion, if you need uh-huh. a, a wife, well, better that you take one and be faithful to her. Um, but if you can, it is better that you be like me, because when he went on his missionary trips. Uh, he was single, and he, he could go where he wants to go and do whatever the Spirit told him to do. If we have an, um, a wife and a family, ooh, we can think twice. And I've been on my mission trips for 40 years, and Suzanne's been right along with me, Mike. <laughs> so. Well, I, you married well. Yeah. <laughs> you married well. Um, I sure did. You are, you are two I people of one thought there. and one flesh. Yeah. And uh, Wow, I, I compliment you. You're terrific. Yeah. I get it. I get it. And and uh, well, I'll take that as a I'll take that as that one idea though. That at least I I'm guessing that that did have something to do with that um, that policy or that papal pronouncement that the priests have to be celibate and have to be unmarried. But I'm I'll have to confess I still I I think it's a wrong interpretation of that passage. I, I just bless their hearts. I I love I. Catholic friends and brethren, I, I just wish them all the well in the world, but that I think that has really done uh, some harm to them and hurt them more than it probably helped them. But that's could, could I ask Mike what does Soapy Dollar know anyway, though? Could I ask Mike a question? I think I I'm bet here. Mike is willing to take a question. Mike, I have a question. Yes, this is sort of on base, but not really on base, I guess. You know, in, uh, in Luke uh, chapter 8, verse 44. Uh, I don't know if you have a Bible handy. I do. Great. Luke eight forty four. a woman who had had uh, hemorrhaging for 12 years. That's 43 and 44. She came up behind him and grabbed right. the hem The of woman that touched the hem of the uh, garment, right? Mm-hmm. What, well, how do you take that to mean? 844? Yes. It's Are that. you talking about what do you think her, her illness was? Is that no, what no, no, no. We know her illness is she had a hemorrhage, uh-huh. which whatever, whatever that is. A fallen womb, whatever. Uh, but it says that he, she, kept, she, forty-four, eight, forty-four, came up behind him, and touched the uh, hem of his garment or the fringe of his cloak. It says, uh, "What do you take that to mean, uh, Mike?" Um, 
the faith of the woman and the power of of the the presence of Jesus, a miracle. And Immediately, what? the bleeding stopped when yes. she touched the fringe of his garment. So what? Why would she grab? And as why is it making a point about the hem of the garment? Do you have any idea, Mike? Oh, she was um, afraid. Uh, she, being a woman, she would not come into his presence. But she was so respectful um, and fearful that if I just touch the hem of his garment, that's enough. Uh, and so she, on faith uh -huh. and respect, that's what she did. It says she trembled, mm -hmm. fell to her knees, because evidently that was something that she was not supposed to do. Is that right, Jacob? Or Well, I take that much differently. Oh, good. Okay. And uh, because the Jews and Jesus was an Orthodox Jew, he wore a prayer shot every day of his life. Right. And remember in... We told about those fringes, those yes, tassels, and right? Yes, and the tassels were the fringes at the bottom in Hebrew is called Sitsi. And it's a commandment, I believe it. It's in Deuteronomy, and it also comes in Numbers uh, 15, I believe it is, but I, I'd have to but check. But what do you know? But, but at any rate, so he wear those. Now, what is the importance? This says this is a daughter of Abraham, so we know she's Jewish. Now, here's what's uh, oh, very interesting. She comes up and grabs this, but what is the prayer shah, and what is it about? The prayer shah is... The idea of the 613 commandments, or 6 plus 1 is 7, plus 3 is 10, 10 commandments. What it's saying is this Jewish woman came up and grabbed the sitzi, which is the commandments. So this Jewish woman grabbed the commandments that Jesus wore, and she was healed. Hallelujah. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Uh -huh. She had been sick for 12 years, 12 years yeah. with constant bleeding, could find no cure. Um, so that is the understanding that she touched the the prayer tassels right. on, yeah. on Jesus' right. garment. Well, and see... The, was that outlawed or something? Why was she so no, fearful? No, no, no. Well, because what's going on... Let me show you how compassionate and actually how wonderful Jesus was in this story. The Jewish law is, and it's derived from the commandments, is that you are never to embarrass somebody. So Jesus, he would have known, as the story dictates, who touched him, but he would have been violating a commandment to not show, give somebody grace and in confidentiality. He said, who touched me? I don't know. What he's saying is he was extending to her the anonymity that she needed so she would not be embarrassed in public. But she was grabbing the commandments because Jesus was teaching the commandments. And so she grabbed the commandments, and he was compassionate enough to not to put her out on the street, you might say. And so it was up to her to say if she wanted to. To identify her. herself. That's very, very interesting. That parable almost has the... It almost has the hint there that it, it does almost hint that Jesus didn't know who it was. Uh, now, the, the, who, because it, it says uh, he felt the way he knew, right, right. he says, he explains, is he felt healing power, which I have no earthly idea what that would feel like, the healing power going out of him. But he, he somehow felt that the, the sensation 
of of the him being used to bring healing to that woman's life. He well, says you'll notice least, you'll notice a couple places in Luke and a couple places in Matthew it talks when it says many people at one I think I I think it's chapter twelve of Matthew several people come up and grab the hem of his garment, his, his prayer shawl, and the prayer shawl is the symbolic cloth, the garment of the commandments of God. All right. I call. I, I listen to this program to hear the spirit of the law, and I, I just. I, I think I just got a got a good dose of the spirit of the law. Praise, praise the Lord. Yeah, Amen, Amen. Well, listen. You're so kind to call in and give us that benefit, that little insight that you have about uh, you know that Catholic tradition and the idea of the celibacy and so on. Mike, if you'd like to give your name and, and so on to Mark, we're starting another list. Uh, to send out a prize packages, I'd love for you to do that. So uh, oh, you might not put you on hold. And, Mike, if you give your name to Mark, don't worry. He'll give it back when he's done with it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. It's just a loan. <laughs> well, I... <laughs> Mike can do that. Well, Mike, uh, visit with Mark there, and we'll get that information. You know, a couple of interesting points. You know, they, yeah. they refer in uh, Luke to Mary Magdalene, or Magdala, uh-huh. which is the Hebrew. It's a region, right? Uh, well, no, it's Tower. Okay, and it, and it actually means tower of strength. Mary, the tower of strength. I like that. And uh, and another interesting point I always like to touch on in thirteen thirty one is only one example. May I read that? Luke thirteen thirty one. Yes. Uh huh. May I read that? Please. Okay, Luke thirteen thirty one, and this is only one example because we know there seems to be a lot of attention or uh, tension between Jesus and the Pharisees. But something is odd, because there may be a few Pharisees, but there's something really going on here. Listen, look at 1331. Just at that time, the Pharisees approached and said to him, Jesus, go away, leave here, for Herod wants to kill you. They were saving Jesus' life. They were warning him, no doubt about it. And, and it says that several places in the Gospels. So they were actually saying, look, uh, we don't want you to get killed. So if they, if all these Pharisees hated him, they wouldn't be warning him. And yeah. later on, when, it be, and when John gets beheaded, it actually says, Herod's, Herod says, well, I know that John's dead because I beheaded him. So he killed him. So it was, it was, actually, um, it was actually Herod that killed John the Baptist. John the Baptist. And why did he cut off his head? Well, uh, remember the story there is that the the Herodias daughter uh, did this dance and pleased him, and he <laughs> gave her evidently at some party. Uh, uh, not, to, not to interrupt, but I just got another text uh, from the same person that told me, uh, how long have you studied Torah? At any rate, this was Are they says, a little more impressed yeah, this time? Now it's uh, Numbers 15, verse 37 through 41, is the city that it's a commandment of God. And it's a commandment we told that Jesus did not violate God's commandments, so therefore there he, he wore it. Yes, yes, there you Thank go. Thank you to the party that has <laughs> helped me with my Torah study. Our anonymous uh, benefactor here this evening. Um what were we talking about? We were just talking about the... Uh, well, we were talking about why did John's... Uh, oh, why did he cut off his head? Uh-huh. Um, remember, it was the daughter that she did this dance. He said, I'll give you up to half to the kingdom. And her mother advised her to say, give me John the Baptist's head on a platter. And something about the... Uh, why did... There was something in there... Was that some kind of a religious idea or... 
Okay. Notion in that he could have asked for anything. Anybody could ask for anything. Why something so obscene and grotesque as the head? Because what we're not understanding when we're reading this is Herod and his wife and the daughter was practicing another religion. Pagan religion, yes. And the religion was you take off the head of a prophet or a newborn baby and put it on a silver or gold plate, and then you can communicate to the other side. This is another religion. If you want to know what religion it was, it was actually uh, Herod is not a Jew, contrary to popular stories. He is an Edomite, and they had their own religion. The and part of that was killing their firstborn child. Yeah, or, yes. or a prophet. Yes, 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 yes. Excellent. Okay, we've got just a couple of minutes left, but we do have another caller, Jacob. Tammy is calling in. Hello, Tammy. How are you this evening? We I don't know exactly how much time we have, only about two or three minutes, so let's... Let me get know, right to I'm your question. I'm just going to say real fast. Yes. Because you were, you were talking about the Zeet Seeds. And yes. let me tell you how I was taught that one. Okay. I was taught that the Messiah, um, one of the things, um, Malachi 4.2 says, but for you who fear my name, and this as the Son, but it should be S-O-N, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. Yes. The wings were the Zeet Seeds. That woman knew that if he was the Messiah, if he was who he said he was, Tammy, I love that. that there yes. were that there would be healing in his wings, and that's why she reached out and touched his zit seats. I have always and where that and Tammy, passage. where are the sitsi located? On the talit in the it's the commandments. But where? Where on the talit? The prayer shop. Is, right. is it to lead the, the shawl? Uh, at, on the corners. Yes, at the, the bottom. The are on the corners. At the hem, at the hem though, right? Well, the hem the hem is the wings or the, the seat. Yeah, the hem. I don't know why they use that word, but the hem is well, the Well, that's the way they've translated it from, uh, from the Hebrew to the Greek to the Latin to the English. Tammy, would you tell me that passage in Malachi once more? For two? Yes, but for you who fear my name... The son of righteousness will will rise with healing in mm-hmm. his wings. wings, and that phrase "wings" you're saying uh, is is a reference to that's a reference to the tzitzit to the to these ta- to these tassels these prayer tassels on the prayer shawl. It, it, is right. that a correct? That is tradition? correct. Tammy's right. You're right. I'm right. We're all right. Oh, <laughs> that is beautiful, Tammy. And so that woman. And these others who might have reached out to touch the hem of Jesus' garment, this passage may have been in their mind that there was healing in these wings, and that was a reference to those the prayer shawl and and those tassels. What a beautiful passage and a way to relate to the the passage that we read there in Luke about this precious woman who reaches out in faith and touches the hem of Jesus' garment and, and receives healing. I... I'm, Jacob, all through. Thank you so much, Tammy. I appreciate you calling in. We, we sure. want to hear from you other times as well. Okay, don't don't hold back. Call anytime. That's all right. But let me equate too. The Zit seats were the commandments, so she was reaching out. A partly because he was Messiah, but partly she was reaching out because those were the commandments. Exactly, the one and the same. So, the Messiah well, stood for the law, the commandments, and 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 vice versa that there's not a conflict between them i don't think and, and i together. think i think that whoever texts me with a verse it's a commandment in numbers 15 37 to 41 isn't that not right tammy <laughs> yes, sir it is uh, all right we may have located our secret benefactor now. tammy thanks for calling <laughs> 
Thanks. So you be bet. Good bye. to hear from you. Um, you know, I was going to mention this before we get out of the Gospel of Luke here. We're going to finish it up this week and go back now to First and Second Samuel in the Old Testament this coming week in our Bible reading. So you have that to look forward to. But I love the 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 Gospels and Jesus going through life, and I often think about what it meant to these people to be healed, the blind to receive his sight, the lepers, the the and especially the parents whose children were healed. What what a glorious thing that might have that must have been i I try to put myself sometimes in their place when Messiah comes and and restores a child to his father or or a daughter to her parents and this woman here suffering for twelve years and and uh being healed well, what that know, not only to her but right. she has family well, she has children yeah. that, Wow. Well, and I think the understanding of knowing what that's all about with the additional comments of Tammy, I, I think that that, to me, enriches with the understanding when, a, let's say, a modern person reads it. Oh, oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. I think it, it, that gives a, a more richness to the text. It gives us more understanding because, indeed, in fact, Jesus was a Jew, and he did uh, teach the Hebrew scriptures and the Hebrew laws, and and he was there ministering among Jewish people, and they know these laws and they know these traditions and they know about the prayer tassels and the and the prayer shawl, and so it just it brings that deeper understanding to us of of what was really going on, what was really happening in that in those different situations, and uh, it's just really really beautiful, uh, no doubt about it. And uh, look at that, Jacob, we're really getting a lot of help now from. We're getting listeners who enjoy and and like to. They're really responding to this this uh, scratching beneath the surface and going to the scriptures. I guess it's okay to let people know Jesus was Jewish now, huh? Oh yeah, okay. we can tell. Okay, okay. I was. I don't know if we should never mention. We that don't need not. to hide that any longer. Right. <laughs> I I just wish he had been Apache. I would have. <laughs> you would never have had me uh, uh, showing any kind of shame or hiding it. I <laughs> I would have been so proud of that. Well, let's let's. We do have two questions left. According to Jesus, what is the unforgivable sin? And it's called by Jesus himself. It's called blasphemy against the Holy Spirit uh, to speak blasphemies. In other words, to reject the work of the Holy Spirit. And generally speaking, we think of that as the Holy Spirit is the agent of the new birth. He's the one who reveals our need for a Savior and, and through the law draws us to uh, the Savior to be redeemed. And uh, so to reject His work is to reject the Savior. You can't be saved if you reject the Savior. See you next week, folks, on the Bible, the Bible Life Quiz Show. The is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The, the Bible, Bible Live Quiz, Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.